Congregation, the sermon this morning is on 1 Samuel 21. Let me only read the seventh verse. 1 Samuel 21, verse 7. Or rather, verse 6. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there, but the showbread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. So far. The theme for this morning is a different David. A different David. With the help of the Lord, five thoughts. David was a fugitive now. That's different. A fugitive. Secondly, David was a liar. He slew, he slew Goliath, but now he's a liar. In the third place, he was right. Something looked kind of shady and wrong, but he was right. Think of that eating of the bread, of the showbread. In the fourth place, he was a fool. See the saliva dripping in his beard before Agish? And in the fifth place, he was a child of God. A different David. He was a fugitive. He was a liar. He was right. He was a fool. He was a child of God. Congregation, young people, children, you know David, don't you? David is a young boy, also shepherding the flock of his father, all the sheep. He loved that. He sang about it. The Lord is my shepherd. At the young age, he was already knowing the Lord. And he could play the harp so well. People knew it. And he has such a courage. One time there was a lion, one there was a bear, trying to devour one of the sheep. He went after them and he slew them. He was playing so well on the harp that Saul and his servants heard about it. They invited him over to the palace and he played the harp so beautifully, so harmoniously. He calmed Saul down, who sometimes was in a very bad, evil mood. And we know that this David also had the courage to slay Goliath with just a few pebble stones in his sling. And Goliath fell down, and David cut off his head with the sword. And the Philistines fled, and many wars after that, many battles after that. David was the captain, and David conquered. And the women sang about him. Saul has slain his, ten th- his thousands, but David is ten thousands. What a David! We have so much expectation of this man. He is the king, the future king. We see it. We're proud of him. No? Proud of such a king. But you know, things are changing. It, it, it goes, it's, it's different. And in the chapters 21 through 31, he's on the run. And he's in a different mood often. David had to flee. King Saul made it very clear, as we see in the previous chapter. And Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him, whereby Jonathan knew that, was de- that he was determined of his father to slay David. King Saul did not make it in a secret anymore about it. He was open about it. He told all his servants, if you see him, kill him. I will reward you. He couldn't stand the man. And he made not a secret of it. No, he was open about it. He has to go. And Jonathan, you're a fool if you just let him take your crown, he said. 
So David had to go, and Jonathan knew it as well. So I see him together, Jonathan and David, and they say goodbye to John, and they hug, and according to their custom, they kissed, and they had to, to let go, and they, they looked to each other, and I, and I have to go. I have to go, Jonathan, and he just left, and maybe they looked back, and maybe they waved. It was, it was over. And David was on his own. He had no place to go anymore. He had no home to go to because it was too dangerous to go to Michael, his wife. He couldn't go to the palace. Where could he go? No home. Homeless. A fugitive. A stranger. A sojourner. He belonged. Dangerous. And sad also to now live as a vagabond. He had only a few men with him. I guess only four. As we will see later, I hope to explain it later, but I think four. And some followers not much. But where do, we, where do I go? Do I sleep under a tree? Do I sleep in a cave? Where do I go? I don't know. Yes. David thought, I know. I know where to go. I have an idea. And it was not a bad idea. Chapter 21, verse 1. Then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. So where did he go? He went to Nob. What is Nob? Nob is a small town close to Jerusalem, and all the priests lived there, most of them. And there was also the tabernacle. The tabernacle was in Nob. By the way, not the ark. The ark was taken by the Philistines and was brought back and, uh, and, and, and ended up in the house of, in, in the town of Kiriath Jearim. But in Nob was the tabernacle. And the priests were there sacrificing. And the, the, the ceremony just went on and on every day. They, they, they killed animals yet. And they had also those, the daily showbread. And they had the incense in the tabernacle. And, and they prayed together. And people came for advice to inquire the Lord. So that's where he went. That's a good choice, David. He must have felt in his heart something like, of Psalm 77, has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? What a hard thing for him to be on the run. Was he not anointed as king? Had the Lord forgotten about him? Did he not have many questions? How can this all be? And yet he, he went to Nob. He thought, you know, the best place to go is to God's tent. The best place to go is to the Lord himself, to ask him what the way is. As we will later see the Lord willing in chapter 22, he was inquiring. He was asking advice from the priest. And he wanted to be also be close to God's people. And he wanted to hear the voice of God. And we know it, right? That David was very fond of the, of the house of God. That he could sing with Psalm 84, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. So long as you even fainted for the courts of the, of the Lord, my heart and my flesh cried out for the living God. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. Could you relate to that? In times of trouble, do you have an extra desire to go to church? To have direction? To find comfort? To receive instruction? 
to pray together, to call upon God's name in the day of trouble? Or do you all try to figure it out yourself? Are you on your own? You don't go to Nob. You don't go to the tabernacle. You don't go to the priests. You don't need advice. You, can all, you know it all yourself. So, we are appreciative of that. We, we, we approve of that, don't we? That David went to Nob. Lover and friend hast thou put far from me mine acquaintance into darkness. His friend, Jonathan, they were so close to, all gone, and yet going to the Lord. That was a safe place. That was a good place to be. And David went there because he knew there is no other place. It's no better place. With a difference with Ahaziah, King Ahaziah, who fell through the lettuce and hurt himself badly and wanted his servants to go to the God of Ekron, Beelzebub, right? And Elijah the Tishbite told them. Arise, go up to me, the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that ye go to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Is it not because there is not a God in Israel? So also this morning, you don't pray, you don't flee to the Lord. You don't ask him advice. Is there no God in Chilak? Is there no God in this world that you try to do it yourself? Or think of the disciples. The Lord Jesus asked them if they also want to go. And they said, To whom else shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. So this is an instruction to all of us that the Lord is welcoming people to give advice that he wants to, us to pray unto him. Psalm 39, Hear my prayer, Lord, and give ear unto my cry. Hold not thy peace and my tears, for I am a stranger. Where they, and a sojourner, as all my fathers were. It's actually one of the purposes of those troubles in this life. One of the reasons why the Lord gives trouble is that we should not we feel so at home. That we should have be kind of loose from this world and not have our bags so deep in the ground. So we must be fugitives ourselves. That's what a Christian is. A true Christian is not home here. A true Christian is on the run. A true Christian is fleeing. A true Christian is on his way to another place, to a city with foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So what about you? Let's go to the second thought. Then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David. And said unto him, Why art thou alone, and no man with thee? Well, Ahimelech the priest had no idea. He didn't understand this. He probably had not heard about David's tension with his father-in-law, and he was so surprised, David, by himself, only with a few men, kind of without the guard, without his army, just by himself with a few men. 
He didn't understand that. Why? And David had no bread. He was hungry. And David had no weapons with him. So strange. I don't get it, Ahimelech thought. The son-in-law of the king, the captain of the army, the general, the, uh, the, 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 the honor society. So he's not here. He's only here by himself. And David answered in verse 2. David said unto him, like the priest, The king has commanded me a business, and has said only, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee. And what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. So David is lying. He's just lying. This is not the truth. He's just making make up a story. And he's saying, if I may paraphrase it for the children, he's saying, you know, my father-in-law, King Saul, has sent me on a journey, sent me on a business, sent me to do something that is so secret, nobody is supposed to know. So that's why I'm here just on a secret mission. And nobody even knows where it is about. And nobody knows where I'm going. Sorry, I can't tell you anything. But that's why I'm here. He's lying. Is that David? Is that necessary? Is that the right thing to do, to lie? Lying. This man was the anointed king. He was able to slay the lion and the bear and Goliath, and he had, he had no fear. And it seems like, it appears like that he is fearful. Because that's usually why people lie. Right? People lie, when do, when do people lie? And they fear. Oh, it can cost my life. It can cost my reputation. I don't want that to happen. I don't want people to know. No, I didn't do that. Yes, I, I, you, you have to understand. Do you call that in English a fib? Or a whopper? Just a white lie? Or just a blunt lie? But people always lie because of the fear of reputation, the fear to lose money, the fear to be killed. David is lying. Unbelievable. But you see the child of God who is still carnal, sold under sin. Still that two man. Still the new man and the old man. The old man has not died yet. He must crucify it, but has not died yet. So you see that David is still human. He's still a sinner. And the Lord is not hiding that. In the Bible, all the Bible saints are still known for their weaknesses as well. Lord does not hide the weaknesses. The Bible is so honest about people. And we should respect God's people but never think that they are perfect. They aren't. There's always a reason to point fingers and say, see, like David, he's lying. And so you can also point fingers to God's people and say, see, there's always something. Maybe your father confesses something, but your mother does, or your brother does, and you know that certain things are not right. You might be right. God has a people that is not perfect, and they know that themselves as well. 
But let me just elaborate a little bit on lies, right? Proverbs 19, the desire of a man is his kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. A poor man is better than a liar. You know when you lie about money? You can make a lot of money and you lie. They're dishonest and fraudulous. You can be a rich, really rich liar. It is better to be a poor man than a liar. Or think of John 8. You are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. So Satan is the father of the lies. God is not a liar. David was not supposed to lie. It worked, but it didn't work. Because the result of that is very serious. Do you know that? We haven't read it. It's the next chapter in chapter 22. But the result of it is that Saul afterwards will come unto them, after them, and that 85 priests are killed and many more people and the whole city of Moab is destroyed. This is the lie of David. At least part of it. So it's bad to lie. And we are all liars, aren't we? Can you stand up if you've never lied? I don't see anyone standing up. We all lie, have lied. Maybe children have lied. They've been bragging to their friends. I have such a big, I got such a thing. I am I'm so rich. Bragging. Romans 3 verse 4, God forbid ye let God be true, but every man a liar. As is written, that not that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art just. So we are liars. It's even worse. We easily make God a liar. God cannot lie. When we when we hear about his predestination, that he saves them. He will save. And the Lord does it live, and he says, I have no pleasure in your death. He does not lie. He means it. Don't make God a liar. He is no liar. He means it. So, David a liar, the Lord not, the Lord Jesus not. The gospel is not a lie. And therefore, resist the lie and apologize for the lie and walk in truth. Third point, he was right. Verse 3. Now, therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand, uh, or what that is present. And the priest answered, and David answered, There is no common bread under my hand, but there is hallowed bread. But the young man half kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said, On a truth, women have been kept from us. So the priest gave him hell of bread. For there was no bread there but the showbread. Remember the tabernacle? There was not a knob. When you walked in, into the first curtain, to the left you had a golden candlestick. And in front of you, the 
altar of incense, and to the right, the table of showbread. And on that table of showbread, made of sittenwood and of layered gold, there were two stacks of cakes of bread. Six, six. Two stacks of six. And those six bread pointed to the tribes of Israel. To twelve tribes. And they were so close, right? So close. Two stacks of six next to Israel. And every Sabbath day, those breads were, 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 were taken away and fresh bread was laid on there. Our thing baked the day before the Sabbath day. And then the bread was taken away, was eaten by the priests, especially the priests officiating. And there were meals in the, in, 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 around the tabernacle, sacrificial meals. And they ate part of the sacrifices and had the kind of a communal meal together. It almost looks like, feels like the Lord's Supper. So the bread, what did they do with that bread? Did they just destroy it? No, they ate it. And it was for the priests only. Right? Only for the priests. So David said to Ahimelech, we are hungry. And I suppose he was a forearmer. So he was asking for five bread. Five of the twelve. Not sure, but I think that's plausible. And what did Ahimelech say? Did he say, no, we cannot do that. That's against the law. It's against the Bible. The Lord will be so mad with us. We can't do that. Absolutely not. Over my life, I cannot give you permission to slay me. I am not giving you the holy bread. You, you can force it, but I cannot give it to you. Is that what he said? No. Priest Ahimelech said, Okay. Okay. I will give you some bread. And David took it. And they had something to eat. And what would you say about that? Was that right or wrong? Was it a sin against the ceremonial law to let common people who were not from the tribe of Levi like David was from the tribe of Judah, to let them eat that holy bread. That's an offense. Oh, you can't do that. But nevertheless, Ahimelech allowed it. And I must say, Ahimelech was right. He, was, he did the right thing. And David was not wrong. How do I know that? I know that from the New Testament. I know that from Matthew 12. Matthew 12. Let's look at Matthew 12. That this text is quoted by the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus refers to that episode. In 1 Samuel 21. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, through the wheat. It means corn in the Bible means wheat. Confusing, but. And the disciples were unhungered and began to pluck the ears of the wheat, the corn, and to eat. So they plucked pieces off and they rubbed in their hands and they popped them in the in, in, in the mouth and they chewed them. 
And then the Pharisees saw it, they said unto Jesus, Behold, the disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. You're wrong. But he answered and said unto them, Have you not read what David did when he was unhungered? And they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat. Did you hear that? And did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were within, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. So, there are situations that which is not lawful is lawful. The situation is something that's wrong. It's not the wrong thing to do. It's wrong to eat those bread. But in certain special circumstances, what's more important? To not starve, to be hungry. You know, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, it says that when you are on the Sabbath day and you're on your on, 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 on your journey, walking in the fields on a Sabbath day, and when you're hungry, you may use your hands to pluck a few of those ears. You may not use the sickle. You not use the sickle on the Sabbath day. That's harvesting. You may not use the threshing floor. That is threshing. You don't do it on the Sabbath. But individually, you your hands and just eating it. What's more important? Is the Sabbath given for us or we for the Sabbath? So what do you call that? What do you call that in Matthew 12? That they say, don't harvest on the, on the Sabbath day. Don't thresh on the Sabbath. It's wrong. What do you call that? You call that legalism, right? Legalism is to stick to the law, whatever happens. No questions asked absolutely rigid and say this is the law and we don't change that. That's legalism. Now we have to be careful of course that we don't sway to the other side either. We say no. As long as you mean well, as long as you uh, there's love, as long as you it's, it's all fine. You can do anything. No. But there are circumstances that allow it, and I don't have the answers about it. Does that mean that in certain circumstances you may lie? Does it mean in certain circumstances that you must work on Sunday? I leave that in your midst. In your situation, in, with, with, your, with, your, with your predicaments, to lay for the Lord and to ask, Lord, is now most to thy glory, is now most to the honor of the Almighty Lord. But our situations, right? Situational, situational ethics, no. We don't want to go that way. But mercy is important, right? It says in Matthew 12, mercy. 
So your reasoning must be merciful, not merciless. And don't forget that legalism can be satanic. Let's go to the next one, the fool. So he received the bread. And then verse 7 is kind of an inter, interlude. It refers to Doeg, who has seen this all, and it comes back in the next chapter, so I let it go. And then verse 8, And David said unto Ahimelech, And is there not he any under thine hand a spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me. Because the king's business requires haste. So he's again, again, lying, right? But he's asking for the sword, for, for, for a weapon. And the Himalayas said, well, you remember that, don't you? That you killed Goliath. And that sword that, you, that, he, that was his, and you cut off his head with it, is he back... On, against the back of the ephah in, in the tabernacle, wrapped in the cloth, and you can take it. So, what's happening now? Does David think about the time that he had that sword in his hand? Does he now, is he now reminded of the time that the Lord gave him Goliath in his hands? Did you think about it? Anyway, he, he takes his sword. He said, there's no better one. I take it. And then he's leaving. And where did he go? I would say the most foolish things, thing he could have done. He goes to Gath. The city of Gath. Do you remember Gath? Who is from God? Goliath. So they know the sword. And they are sensitive. And he goes to God, the fugitive. And he, he thinks to himself, nobody recognizes me. You know, they, they don't know. I just walk into the, into the town and we'll find a place to stay and maybe a, a hotel, an inn. And he is in Gath and they recognize him. And they say, is that not that David? Did the people not sing about him, the, the ladies? Did they not sing his thing? He's saying his ten thousands? Let us bring him to Achish, the king. And David, he is so afraid. So this is the end. This is not the He has been lying. He lied again. How do I get out of this? And he... He pretends to be insane. He begins to scratch the doors of the city. He is acting absolutely crazy. He wants the people to believe that he is insane. Is that a good word again? And he uh, he is just speaking strangely. And look at the saliva. He's salivating his clothes and his beard is wet. And, and that's how he's brought to the king, to King Achish. And King Achish is not happy. Verse 13 He changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. He is again lying, right? He is pretending. This is, is he the man that was anointed as king? 
is he the man that slew the bear and the lion? Is he the man that said, in the name of Jehovah, I will kill you? Is he the sinner that is running towards, towards Goliath? Is he the same man that had a sword in his hand and slew him? He says, no, a different David, David, David. How can you do that? You don't have to do that. You are so fearful. You don't trust in the Lord. You take things in your own hands. You take, you do really strange things. It's embarrassing. It's shameful. And then lying about it. You don't have to. See, that's David. So he is strong, and now he is so weak. Look at him before Achish. Do you respect him? But you see here how God's people can change. Like the Apostle Peter, if I may compare. The Apostle Peter. He was able to walk on the water. I know fear. And then not too long later, he was afraid of a maid in the garden of the high priest. And he cursed himself. He said, I don't know the man. See, he lied. The apostle Peter was so fierce and so protective of the Lord Jesus. Or think of Elijah on the Carmel, who uh, challenged the priests of Baal and said, we make an altar and we have a trench and we just fill it with water and we just soak it. And we ask the Lord to come with fire to also consume this sacrifice. And he called upon the name of the Lord and he knew it was happening. And lightning came down and devoured everything. And the people said, oh, the Lord is God. Right? And next day, he's afraid of Yetzibah. And he flees into the desert. And he said it's better to die than to live. So he's high up there and down. And so there's David. So much courage in the past. He's now a madman. We have no respect for him. See that? How honest the Lord is. Now, what do we see here of the Lord Jesus? Is David here an example of Christ? Is he a type of Christ? Absolutely not. He is what we call an anti-type. Anti-type. The opposite. Who did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. That's the Lord Jesus. He's the opposite. He's the very opposite of this David in this time. No guile. No pretense. Absolutely honest. Absolutely genuine. Not faking anything. So... Let, let, let me say it again. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. And that's what God's people should look like. No guile. You can't do this. 1 Peter 3. For he that will love life and seek her days, that will refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. And I think of Revelation 14, and in their mouth was found no guile, for they're without fault before the throne of God. So the Lord makes honest. The Lord hates 
being phony and hates the lies and hates to pretend something. Be who you are and confess your sins and see the Lord and go to love and take advice of the Bible. But don't fake things. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a strict legalist either. See that in the Bible and may the Lord teach us to go his way. And yet, a child of God. And yet, yet, congregation, David has repented of all the foolishness. With this whole chapter, the event to Nob is okay and that he lied is wrong and that he disguised himself and pretended to be saying it's all wrong. But the Lord held on to him. The Lord has not forgotten to be kind. He could not sin himself out of it. He couldn't. Because he was chosen from eternity. And the Lord does not repent of his election ever. He believe in the perseverance of the saints. So the Lord had paid a price for him. And the Lord is not going to let him go. Nobody is able to pluck him out of the hands of the Almighty God. Nothing. Also, ladies doing foolish things. You know about that, right? That's, he, is, he, is, he is a murderer, an adulterer. The Bible is so honest about him. He cannot sin himself out of it. How do we know? Well, do you know Psalm 34? Have you ever seen what it says on top of that? In the introduction of it? Let me read it here. Psalm 34. The Psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed. So in Psalm 34, we hear about Abimelech, not about Ahimelech, the priest, but about Abimelech. And Abimelech is the same person as Achish. Well, this is his second name. And Abimelech was a title or something, we don't know. But Abimelech is the same as Achish. So the son of David, he changed his behavior before Achish who drove him away, and he departed. A son of David. A son of David after they let him go. A son of David after they said, after, after, like he said, do I have lack of madmen? I don't need him in my home. What are you doing? Just leave immediately. I don't have a use of this man. Just let him go. And they just let him go. And David made a psalm. So then you read that psalm at home this afternoon. Psalm 34, right, children? And think of this background. And think of his foolish behavior. And think of him lying. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continue to be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall heed her of and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I saw the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and the face was not ashamed. Did you read this song? David saw the Lord. David magnified his God. And David experienced the wonder, the wonder of God's mercy. 
So we see how weak David was, and we see that after he was in such a depth, the Lord lifted him up out of the air. And he was faithful to his promises and did not let go, not forsake the work of his own hands. We on the clocks. When I came to the last episode of this sermon, I thought, oh yeah, maybe there's a link here. Have you ever been like David? Pretending, being mad. Were you drunk? Were you drunk? You didn't know what you were doing anymore? You're behaving crazy? And people laughed at you and said, oh, he's, he's drunk, he had too much. A shame, isn't it? And yet David was saved. He was kind of drunk. Right? He, he pretended something like that. So even if you have been drunk many times, you may just bow your knees and come to Nob and seek salvation and seek forgiveness and that you that may hear your mouth, I will bless the Lord at all times. He has been so gracious. He has picked me out of the miry clay and set me upon the rock that is too high for me. Or fear the Lord, ye saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. So if you have want, like David had, fear the Lord, seek his face, and come to his sanctuary, and know this, there is forgiveness with him. But you have to get rid of that hypocrisy, of that of that phony and phrasistic attitude, you have to become true for the Lord. And may all your righteousnesses be a filthy rags, and may you see your salvation only in Him. Amen.